Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Your expectation is of me to get up here and to begin my message, uh, you have stepped into the wrong place because I uh, am not going to let today go by uh, without uh, recognizing what God has done. Um, and I want to say this, um, we are for sure not here uh, to worship Reagan. Um, for those that don't know, uh, Reagan was in a car accident several weeks ago, and um, miracle is the only thing I can say, the fact that she walked over here today, um, and the fact that she's here, and the fact that she's a warrior, and the fact that um, her mom and dad um, have been steadfast, and her sisters are both still annoying, but we'll let them be steadfast too. Um, I'm not going to sit up here and pretend like that this is an amazing thing that God has done, and so I, it is. And I would like for us to stand up and praise God for what he's done. I think we need to do that. And Reagan, you can stay seated, sweetie. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. All right. Now sit down and listen up. I, you know... I'm not, I'm not going to harp on this too much, but maybe a little. Um, you don't realize how much you, I, I've known Reagan, I think we counted it up since you were seven, maybe, um, and I, you don't realize how much you love someone until they get into a traumatic situation, and the night that I heard about her accident that Wednesday night, I could not sleep, uh, I was worried sick, uh, I thought about driving to Statesboro that night. Um, I didn't know I'd have to go all the way to Savannah because it was that severe. So, but um, I, you don't realize that. You don't realize the impact. And what it did for me is it made me, um, I don't know, I, 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 it almost gave me a new perspective. Uh, we got to go down and see her in the hospital. Her mom said she had been taking some medicine and she was ill. That was a lie. Uh, she was totally awesome with us. Uh, but apparently she was a little ill with her family. So if you think that sweet girl can be ill with anyone, then you're wrong. So uh, I don't believe that, Mom, and quit lying on your daughter. All right? So I'm just <laughs> being honest with you. Listen, um, gosh, y'all, I just, I don't know. Uh, Wendy and I both said the same thing. You don't realize, you know, we were in student ministry. She was in our student ministry, and um, it just, you don't realize and I just want to encourage you guys uh, to love people big and to appreciate people and to hug people and to, I mean, not awkwardly, like ask them if you need to hug them, but uh, just be, be there for people. Uh, and I'm thankful, and I love you, and I'm thankful that you're here more than you'll ever know, okay? And I know these people love you too, all right? So we love you, all right? Guys, listen, today we're talking about uh, Advent. We're going through the Advent series, and 
I want to tell you what Advent actually means. The word Advent actually means the coming or the arrival. It is the, let me pause, I'm hitting the pause button right now. I forgot to do this. I also want to recognize two people that graduated from college this weekend. My son, is Blake not in here? Blake, he's right there coming in. Uh, I was like, my son who has now left the building. Um, uh, Blake, can you stay standing up, my friend? Blake uh, and Anna, come on up, Anna. Anna's like my daughter too. Anna, stand up. These two happy jacks graduated early, early from college uh, yesterday and Friday. Congratulations, you two. We love you. All right, now sit down, both of you. Um, All right, I'm hitting the unpause button. Advent means the arrival. It is an anticipation. And through the season, what churches traditionally have done is is they've started and they've went through the process. I did a hope. Jonathan spoke about peace. And now today we're going to speak about joy. And there is an anticipation. Now, let me explain to you what the colors, the purple candles actually represent a time of reflection, a time of prayer, a time of contemplation. That's what the purple represents. But there's a candle in the Advent set that's a little different than the other ones. It's pink. And pink is representative of joy. Pink is actually representative of, you guys thought it was just Barbie and Taylor Swift. It's not. It's actually joy is what pink is representative of. And I'll never forget this. Whenever the tornado happened uh, in 1999 at our house, we lost, for those that don't know, we lost everything in a tornado in 1999. Uh, And when I say everything, I mean down to the underwear. So uh, everything. And we had to start over from scratch. uh, No home, no nothing. And Wendy and I were, um, it, it was amazing. We, we, I had to do this. It was a horrible, horrible thing. Uh, now it's a little bit better, but not really. Uh, I had to take a notebook, and I had to list off, starting in the garage, I had to close my eyes. Literally, I closed my eyes, and I started in the corner of the garage. I'll never forget doing this. And I said, there was a rake and a shovel there. And I wrote down rake and shovel. And I had to make a list that was 11 pages front and back. List all the way down and now you can look up online back then there there wasn't no there was probably a thing known as the internet but I didn't know about it and so I looked up and then we had to go to stores and find the price of those items and I did that starting uh, on Monday Tuesday Wednesday it was ridiculous and on I was in the middle of doing that on uh, I believe it was a Thursday afternoon I was in the middle of doing that. I was in the middle of writing, going to different stores. And I was at the Old Hickory Mall in Jackson, Tennessee. And I got a phone call. Uh, and it was from a friend of ours. And she said, hey, listen, um, Peyton Manning is coming to Jackson. He's on the Colts plane. And he's flying to Jackson. And he wants to meet you. And I said, no, he doesn't. She said, no, he really, he really does. Um, he wants to meet you. And I said, this is crazy. Um, how did that all happen? She said, well, the head of the Salvation, is uh, the head of the, uh, uh, it's not the Salvation Army, help, the Red Cross. The head of the Red Cross is flying with Peyton, Peyton Manning because it happened in Tennessee and he wants to fly. He was flying down there with Peyton and the associate person here 
uh, actually got in contact with them, and, and he asked if you would bring a, because I had lost my Peyton Manning signed football. He asked if you would come to the Civic Center. He wanted to meet you and your wife. And I said, I'll be right there. Uh, <clears throat> so the reason I thought about this story this week is because there's a picture of me uh, and Peyton Manning when we met Peyton Manning, Wendy, and I on, in my office. There's a little picture, a little, 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 little Polaroid picture when I met Peyton Manning. And there was a lady this week that was asking me about that. And it's funny because she didn't ask, hey, is that Peyton Manning first? She said, hey, do you have hair? You had hair back then? <laughs> I said, yeah, I had hair. No, I'm just kidding. She asked who Peyton was first. And then I said, yeah, and that's me with the big bushy hair. Anyway, so, but she said that, and it started having me think. And so I started thinking about it. I was researching for this sermon, and I started thinking about that time in my life. And I realized something because the, the pink candle is supposed to represent a turn, all right? It's supposed to represent a, a turning a turning point. Uh, you've been uh, praying and being uh, contemplative, and, and there's an anticipation, and, and, and we've lit in the purple candles, but, but pink is, is a turning point. And it's a turning point toward, it means this, man, things are getting ready to change. We're almost there. And for me, whenever I met Peyton Manning that day, we left, you know, being super overjoyed. There was a video, we don't have it now, but it was the funniest video in the world. It was on, it was on the news of us meeting Peyton Manning. And we did the VHS thing, but I lost it. Um, and, but uh, we VHS WBBJ, uh, and it was funny because we, they took the video and they showed, and they, it was us meeting Peyton Manning, and we shook his hand. And Wendy turned around and she was like, <laughs> and it was so funny because she's never looked more like her dad when she did that. She was like, her dad's here today, by the way. Patty and Darrell, I'm so thankful y'all are here. But, uh, uh, sorry, please leave me in the will, all right? But uh, anyway, they, uh, it, she was so joyful. There was just a joy. Like, oh, my gosh, out of all this horrible turmoil, out of all this horrible things, there was a joy. It was a turning point. And so we got into the car, and we, when we got into the car, I said, uh, we had all these lists of things. And Wendy said, she's so wise. She's always been so wise. She said, hey, let's go look at some new stuff. Let's go look for houses. Let's go look. I'm tired of all of this stuff. I, 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 want to, I, want, I want this to be a turning point. I, I want this to be, let's go look for new stuff. And so we did, actually. That day, we actually started looking for homes. We actually ended up finding a home a couple of days later. We actually built a new home over the next six to eight months in a different location. Uh, we built a new home. It's funny, after the tornado happened, people come up to us and they said, this is crazy. Now, I've lived there for my whole life, basically. And after we lived there, people, when they said, oh, you're in the tornado, I said, yeah. Everybody said the same thing. Oh, yeah, we knew that was Tornado Alley. And I was like, bro, you've known me for 20 years. You want to tell me? I mean, I'm just asking. You knew I lived there. Could you not tell me? But uh, anyway, it was a turning point for us, though. It was a turning. That day, when I look at that picture in there, I know some of you guys see a really great-looking guy with beautiful hair uh, uh, and Peyton Manning. Uh, but uh, I, 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 for me, I got that picture in there because it's a turning point for me. It's a turning point. So when I come in my office, I look, and I always look at that picture, and I think, hey, man, that's really cool. That's Peyton Manning. But I also think, gosh, man, that's a turning point for us. That was the turning point. We were in the car listening to talk radio because they were doing nonstop talk of the tornado that happened. And uh, when, when we were listening to the car, this, this, this guy got on the radio, and he had called into the radio station. He was crying. He was like, they were like, everything okay? And he was like, I just saw the most beautiful thing. There was a, 
a big red-headed guy down at the Civic Center, and, and he had lost a football, and Peyton Manning gave it to him. And, and I looked at Wendy, I said, I think that guy's talking about me. Uh, and uh, it was funny, we both got a good kick out of it. But from that point forward, what I did is, is I said, Wendy, here's what I want you to do. I want you to focus on the new house. I'm going to focus on this other garbage that we have to go through. You focus on the new house. And that's exactly what she did, and that's exactly what we did. And it was a turning point. We all have turning points in our lives. We really do. We all have times in our lives, well, okay, this is going to be a turning point. And that's exactly what's happening today. Today, we have the turning point. We had hope and peace. But joy is where the turning point happens. And we make the turn going to the, to literally, to the, to the, to the swaddling clothes and the baby in a manger. We make that turn going to that day, which we'll celebrate uh, next week is really amazing. There was another turning point that I've told you about before. Um, I was madly in love with my bride, and um, we were dating long distance for a while. And she, uh, I used to drive like a moron. I used to drive about eight hours. I would drive. I would get off work, and I would drive a long way, like eight hours. Uh, and I always knew that I was getting close to her because she lived in Tulsa. I lived in Jackson. I always knew when I was getting close to her because. It was the Muskogee Turnpike, the Muskogee Turnpike in Oklahoma, and um, I would always sing that Merle Haggard song too, by the way, if you're wondering, I'm proud to be an Okie from Muskogee. Didn't he sing that? Am I right about that for all you rednecks? Yes, I did. Okay, good. Uh, so I was like, okay, so I, I would, but I always remember, I was like, okay, I would get super happy, and I'd start fixing my hair, and I really wouldn't, but I would get happy. Uh, and I would hit that Muskogee Turnpike, and that was a turning point. Well, today, that's exactly what we're going to see. We're going to see a turning point. So, Reagan read the, the first part. I want to look at uh, Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. Let's take a look at Luke verses, uh, chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. It says this, it says, um, it says, But the angel of the Lord reassured them, it's the shepherds in the field, Don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring what? Great joy to all people. Now, I want you to understand something. There's, that is a, there is a lot of meat on the bone right there in that verse. That will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. The word joy means this. I believe we have a definition of the word joy. Do we have that up there? If not, I can, I can read it. It says this. It says, to delight in or have great happiness. The word joy means to delight in or to have great happiness. The things that are foundations for our lives are things that we've already begun to talk about. We talked about hope a couple of weeks ago. We talked about peace last week. Today we're going to talk about joy. Next week we're going to talk about love. And then Christmas Eve night we're going to talk about Christ himself. Today I want to help you understand how to experience and receive more of this joy. And that's what I want to do today. I want to tell you this, and I don't know if you've ever thought about this or not, but joy comes in weird ways the one way one weird way it comes is joy comes when trusting when you want to doubt more than you want to trust 
that brings joy when you choose to trust over choosing to doubt. Have you guys ever been told something that's too good to be true? You know, Mary was told something that's too good to be true. And you know what she said? How can this be? How can this be? We read about Zechariah a couple weeks ago, and he said the same thing. How can this be? I'm an old man. And Mary said, how can this be? But in the end, you know what she said? What, you are the Lord. I trust the Lord. Whatever you say, I will do. That's what she said. She chose joy. So how does God produce joy out of trusting him? Well, Psalm 34, 8 says this. It says, uh, Psalm 34, 8 says this. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. What does that mean? Here's what it means. It means when you decide, even though the circumstances look different, even though the circumstances may look like they're not going to go a certain way, when you decide that you are going to trust instead of doubt, when you decide to trust fully in him, even in negative circumstances, when you decide to do that, when you see that the Lord is good, when you taste and see that the Lord is good, when you see that, then you will take refuge in Him. And because of that refuge that you take in Him, you will be overwhelmed with joy. Now, there's a difference between being overwhelmed with joy and being overwhelmed with happy, and we'll talk about that in a second. But you will see that joy. Let me give you a good example. My father died when he was 59 years old. And it rocked my world. It really did. I was close to my father. Uh, I really was. And, and I'll never forget because I, I was wondering if my father, I wasn't sure where my father stood with the Lord. I knew he had told me many times. And my dad had had surgery for colon cancer, and, and, and he died right after that. He had a blood clot that went to his heart, and he passed away. And I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. But all I kept praying, when I kept praying, this was a couple of days between the death and the funeral. All I kept praying was, was God, I need a sign. I'm trusting you. I need a sign that my dad is okay. I need a sign. My dad wasn't perfect, and neither are you, and neither am I. But we all have a perfect God. And I knew, I knew, I knew I needed that. And I was sitting at the funeral. And I had no idea this had even happened, but I was sitting at the funeral. And I, I was sitting and I was actually squeezing Wendy's hand because there was a ridiculous amount of people at this funeral. There were people outside. It was 14 degrees and snowing, and there were people standing outside, outside. And when we walked out, it was a flood of people. But I was sitting inside, and for some reason, I don't know why they do this, but at this particular funeral home, they put the family up in the front to the right so we can look this way. But I felt like everybody was looking at me, and I was going, oh, gosh. And, you know, I, like I've shared with you guys before, you know, I can suffer from a little anxiety from time to time. And I told Wendy, I said, I'm getting ready to have a full-out panic attack in front of all these people. I'm just letting you know I've lived here. I'm getting ready to have a panic attack. And, and she squeezed my hand, and she, she said, you're going to be okay, you're going to be okay. And I began to listen to the pastor. And I had been praying for several days, God, I, I, I trust you. I know that you've told me that the work you began in my dad, you, you, that you finished, and God, now he's gone. I, I need to know. And I'll never forget this. The pastor, 
unbeknownst to me, the pastor began to speak about how he had visited my father. Unbeknownst to me, I had no idea he did. And how he had visited my father. And it was just him and my dad. And they had a long talk about Christ. And I, I loved this pastor. And the, the, the pastor said, and he began to say things that my dad had said. And he began to say, and he began one after another after another. And I promise you guys, an overwhelming joy came over me to the point where I actually smiled. And I, know, I didn't know I smiled, but I, I did smile because someone in the audience told me, hey, what happened in the middle of the service? Because I was concerned about you. You looked like you were freaking out. And I was like, I was. Um, but then this overwhelming smile. And I've never forgotten that day because that, that was me trusting God. And I didn't even know why. And I didn't know, I didn't know what God was up to. But man, even through the worst thing in the world, even through the most horrible thing, God reassured me, you're going to see your dad again. And for me, that brought an overwhelming sense of joy. What trusting God does is it takes the pressure off of us. And that taking of the pressure off, it produces joy. Hope, peace, and joy is what we've talked about so far. And those things are to be foundational because of this. Our lives as believers are supposed to be marked with joy. I want to say that again. Our lives as believers are supposed to be marked with joy. They are. Now, I didn't start going to church until I was almost 17, and I did not, I did not give my life to Christ until I was almost 19. And what I experienced a lot of times in the church, unfortunately, and I have since then as well, and I'm not knocking other churches, but I'm just being honest with you. What I've experienced in a lot of churches is, is a pastor that told me I was going to hell and he seemed kind of happy it was happening. Uh, and, and other people that were kind of fuddy-duddies. Are you with me? Are you with me? I had a, I had a lady one time that came up and, and I, there was one of our students that was going to be in, on TV. Uh, after, at the end of it, it was a much ado about nothing. But he came and said, hey, I'm going to be on the show. And I said, well, great, let's watch it. And I made a big deal out of it. And uh, he, he was on the show for about 1.1 seconds. But it was important to him, and so if it was important to him, it was important to me. So he was on the show, and he said, and, and this lady came up to me, and she said, you shouldn't be promoting that show. And I said, why not? One of our, one of our students is in. Are you, are you kidding? And she raised her Bible. Her Bible was ten times this big. I don't know how she had it in one hand. It was this big. All right? And she said, if he's got time to watch that show, he's got time to read this Bible. And she was chewing her gum and smacking her gum, which kind of annoyed me too. But I was like, okay. And then I walked off. Um, I, that was what I experienced a lot, y'all. I just experienced a bunch of fuddy-duddies and, and honestly, a bunch of fun suckers. You know what a fun sucker is? Anybody, you get around and when you hear them, you start you're walking up to them and they're going, <laughs> you can hear the fun just being sucked out of your whole life. Well, look, I, I don't see that anywhere in Scripture. I don't, man. You know, as a matter of fact, it said Jesus drew people to himself, and he told them the truth. He told them the truth, but he drew people to himself. Our lives are to be marked with joy. Romans 15, 13 says this. Romans 15, 13 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace. Isn't it interesting? 
the God of what? The God of hope that we talked about a couple weeks ago will fill you with joy and what? Peace that we talked about last week. Will fill you with joy and peace. So you think, well, gosh, man, how is he going to fill us with joy and peace and hope? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because you trust in him. And when you trust in him, you're filled with hope and peace and joy. And when you do that, then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. That is how he wants it to work. That's how he wants it to work. More than anything else in our society today, our world needs to see that we have joy. Our world needs to see that we have joy. Now, some people ask the question, some people say, and this, I've had people come up to me and tell me this too. They've come up to me and they said, God cares more about your holiness than he does your happiness. And then they were like, God wants you to be joyful. He doesn't care about your happiness. And I'm like, well, that's a bunch of mess. That's not true. You know how I know that's not true? Because I have children, and I am so concerned about their holiness. And I'm so concerned about their hope, and I'm so concerned about their peace, and I'm so concerned about their joy. But I'm also concerned about their happiness. I'm just crazy enough to think that God can take care of the joy and the happiness too. Am I crazy here? I'm just crazy enough to think that. And I believe that. Our lives are to be marked with joy. But that doesn't eradicate the happiness too. It doesn't. Now, is everything going to be great? No, happiness is an emotion. It comes and goes. But joy is steadfast. There's an underlying joy and hope and peace and love that we'll see next week that should be the foundation and the cornerstone of our life. And here, I'm going to go ahead and tell you the secret for Christmas Eve service at 5 o'clock, okay, next Sunday evening. Those hope, that foundation, that hope and joy and peace and love, that foundation, it's Christ. It's Christ in you. Just letting you know that. Now come anyway, but I told you the answer, but you can come anyway. So if our lives are supposed to be marked with joy, how does that happen? Well, a lot of people think that what happens is, is that you give your life over to Christ. One of the things the church does bad, uh, and we are guilty of this sometimes too, but one of the things that the church does bad is, is that the church wants to rely on and they try to get as many people down to the altar and get them quote unquote saved. But then after that, they kind of go to the next person. It's almost like, how many can we get in our holy huddle? And we don't want to do that here. And so our main goal here, I'm a discipler. I'm not an evangelist, okay? I'm a teacher. It's who I am. I'm not going to get up here and pound the pulpit. I may every once in a while just for effect, but most of the time I don't do that. All right? You'll hear very few fire and brimstone sermons out of me. Not that there's anything wrong with those. I'm just telling you that's who I am. My main goal is this. Once you give your life over to Christ, what happens at that point? Most people think, most people think that joy should be an immediate thing. And so whenever they face a hardship, when there's no joy and they face a hardship, what they think is, is there's something wrong with their spiritual life because they're not joyous because they faced a hardship and they're no longer happy and they're no longer joyous. Well, that cannot be further from the truth. And here's the reason why, and this is my final point for you today. Joy is a process. It is a process. Joy does not suddenly appear for most people. Some people, 
It does. You will have a joyous experience once you give your life over to Christ because of some of the things that have been freed up. But how life works is, and how God created it to be, is a process. And here's the process to developing joy. And it begins with a slight little bit of hope. You have a hope in Christ, you have a hope in the future, and you have a hope in the fact that Jesus is who he says he is. And what that does is when you have a hope in Christ, and you have a hope in the future, and you have a hope that he says he is who he says he is, then you begin to develop a peace. And when you develop a peace, like Jonathan talked about last week, a complete peace, a total peace, a shalom, when you develop that, that's when that peace that God wants you to have, out of that hope and out of that peace, all of which, by the way, is Christ in you, out of that, there begins to be a joy that is produced within us. And as you grow spiritually throughout your life, as you go through the not salvation, the sanctification process, then your joy will increase and increase and increase as long as you continue to trust him and trust him and trust him and that's how we grow spiritually and that's how joy is a process it's not an instantaneous thing we have times of joy we have times of overwhelming joy I've told you before and I told you a while back listen I want to tell you if you look at a mountain nothing grows on the mountaintop nothing grows on the mountaintop we live we live our lives a little down from the mountaintop and we go up to the mountaintop and we'll have times of overwhelming joy but that's not sustainable, okay? That's like me thinking we should eat Skittles every evening for dinner. You know what I mean? Right, RJ? You don't want to do that, right, RJ? Thank you. Skittles every day for dinner. Well, guess what? I feel great, and I'll vacuum the house and clean the dishes within 10 minutes because I got a sugar high, but what I won't do is, is I won't be sustained because it's going to crash, and I'm going to be tired and sleepy and move on. And if you're RJ, you can crash in a whole lot of other ways. All right. For those who don't know, RJ ate a big bag of Skittles and he wasn't supposed to because he's got some medical things that I'm not going to discuss in front of everybody. But he fell out and they had to revive him with CPR. Anyway, uh, so I know, right? I know, right? No more dying on us, RJ. So, and her, his wife said, listen, if you ever eat Skittles again, I'll kill you myself. <laughs> you don't worry about the CPR. Anyway, I say all that to say this. The joy is found, you guys. The joy. You look at people and think, man, they're going through a hard time, but they still have this underlying joy. How do they do that? I'll tell you how they do that. Because they have the hope and they have the peace and they have the love that all comes from Christ and Christ in us. And yes, they can. you, I want to, you can be sad about a situation. You can be mourning. You can be mourning someone's death. You can be mourning a situation, but you can still have an underlying joy. And I want you to know that. Which brings me to something that I asked Reagan if I could share, and I'm going to share it. I know Reagan is not the end-all of end-alls, okay? She's a flawed human being uh, like all of us. But I will tell you this. I went and talked to her uh, about a week and a half ago whenever she got out of the hospital. She was getting out of the hospital that day. And I said, I sat down, and I looked at her, and I said, I want to know where you are spiritually. And she said, you know, people keep asking me if I'm mad at God. And I said, are you? And she said, no, I'm not mad at God at all. I'm thankful. I'm, and she starts saying these things. I'm thankful. I'm here. 
I made it. I'm mending. I'm, and she starts saying, I, look, I'm not even supposed to be here in this place. I was supposed to be in a bed for three months. And I'm, I'm thankful. And, I'm, and she starts telling me all these things. And in my mind, I'm thinking, man, I, wish, I wonder if I would have that much faith if I had been through what she's been through. And there was just joy on her face. There was just smile on her face. She's not perfect, you know. She's, you know, the middle sister. You know she's got issues. So, but, right? But, but there, is this, there is this joy that through this process has emulated from her and she will struggle in the future and she will, but the foundation is I'm okay. It's funny, there's a story. She was in the ambulance headed to Savannah and the, her phone kept ringing. And she's sitting there. This is amazing. Think about this. She is in some major trauma here in the back of an ambulance and the phone kept ringing. And she looks at the person and says, that's my mom. Someone better answer that phone. She's not going to stop calling. And so, and you know, when I, when I talked to Heather on the, on the road, when she was heading down there, when I saw the message and I had called her and she was, you know, emotional and, and, and even then she said, I, I know she's, she's going to be okay. I, and, and there was a talking process and Heather's a realist. She's like, okay, I don't know. I'm, I panic. I freak out about everything. And that's fine. I've told her there's medication for that. Uh, I may be on it, but she, she's had that. And it's been amazing to see this family have a steadfastness about them. And it's been incredible to see. And, and one, one, I want to tell you, church, this. One of the things that she said over and over and over and over again, Heather did, is she said, I've never experienced anything like this. I can literally feel the prayers of the people at the church carrying me through this I can feel the prayers and God responding to those things as we go through this process and that that is what brings joy not a perfect life not a life free of problems not a life free as a matter of fact I would tell you that the deeper joy lies in a life with problems a deeper joy lies when you can trust God and you show yourself and God shows up and shows out. A deeper joy lies with me sitting there as my dad's casket's in front of me and of all the times when God could show up and show himself faithful. It's that time. Joy is not created with just having good times. We know that because the Savior came and died. And out of that produced joy for you and me. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for today. Thank you so much for joy, genuine joy that we can have. Thank you so much for hope and peace and joy that we can have. God, I pray that our people are not fuddy-duddies. <laughs> I pray that our people show a joy and a hope and a peace that surpasses understanding. 
And Lord, let it be genuine. And let them experience God in, your, in real life. God, that's who we want to be. And that's who you, we know you want us to be. No matter what the circumstances. No matter what the outcome. Let us walk in joy and in hope and in peace with you. It's in the strong and mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's stand up for a final worship song this morning. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.